Welcome to another edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air, the podcast version, if you will, of the Delaware Valley Journal, covering the stories that you care about in Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery counties. And we're delighted to have, as always, the editor of Delaware Valley Journal, the lovely and talented Todd Shepard. Todd, how are you? Uh, lovely. Not so sure about that. Uh, <laughs> I think that the, the phrase is uh, look in California, feel in Minnesota. It is always a delight to talk to legendary political analyst Michael Barone, particularly when I'm in a, an establishment that sells adult beverages because he has been known to buy on a time or two. Please welcome to the Delaware Valley Journal podcast, Michael Barone. The sober Michael Barone. Thanks. <laughs> nice to be with you. He created the Almanac of American Politics as well as years of uh, political chaos he's left in his wake. So when when I say to you the Delaware Valley of Pennsylvania and American politics, what comes to mind, Michael Barone? Well, William Penn and the fact that uh, the, uh, the the Quaker son of a British admiral got the uh, uh, King Charles II, whose bevy of mistresses made him known as the Merry Monarch, um, <laughs> to give him a grant of land in Pennsylvania. And we have, uh, you know, in that wonderful harbor, seagoing vessels going up to Philadelphia and the broad Delaware River. Uh, if we had just kept the capital in Philadelphia and James Madison and Thomas Jefferson hadn't made that deal with Alexander Hamilton to put it down the Potomac, um, Philadelphia would have ended up to be something like London. You know, Michael, we're trying to get people in the Delaware Valley region to like the Delaware Valley Journal and having them imagine the U.S. Congress in their city is not going to make us any friends in Philadelphia. Don't you agree, Todd? For certain. Um, but they ought to keep in mind the fact that the highest income uh, counties in the United States now these days are uh, Fairfax County, Virginia, Arlington County, Virginia, uh, Montgomery County, Maryland. What do they have in common? Well, they're right across the river from Washington, D.C. So Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery, um, already prosperous and productive, could be the richest places in the country if they had... Uh, Washington and its armies of lobbyists uh, there in town. Well, Mr. Barone, since you brought up Chester County, I'd like to ask you a, a little question about that, because one of the big takeaways from the 2018 election was this fight for the suburban vote. And we've actually done some reporting in just the recent months here that Chester County, uh, in 2018, Republicans had a 15,000 voter registration advantage there. And in the last week, that 15,000 advantage has been shrunk to 100, or in the last two years, I should say. Um, does that, do you, what do you read into that when you hear a 15,000 advantage shrunk to just 100 in two years? And, and what does this show about the, the fight for the suburbs? Well, I think party registration is something of a lagging indicator often. It tends to indicate um, where you've been going in the past. And, you know, Chester County, had a history going up through 1988, 1990s of being a heavily Republican county. Um, as you point out, it was voting voting for Hillary Clinton in 2016. It voted, um, you know, heavily uh, for the Democrats in 2018, and the party registration's catching up with that. I think, um, you know, basically. Uh, what we've seen since the 1990s is a very close competition between the two parties. 
but we have seen um, affluent white college graduates moving slowly from the Republican Party to the Democratic Party. Now, that started in the 1990s. It accelerated uh, with the election of Donald Trump in the 2018 uh, off-year elections. Um, and so that really has affected um, Bucks, Chester, Delaware, Montgomery. It's interesting, if you look at the returns from Bucks County, which has got, you know, some precincts that are kind of working class along the Delaware River, just adjacent to northeast Philadelphia, that area has been staying um, Republican or perhaps getting more so. And when you get uh, farther out to upper Bucks County, that hilly country um, you know, west and north of I-95, uh, that area has become um, more democratic um, and, uh, you know, because it tends to be more white college grads. So, um, you know, I guess the, the answer in Chester is it doesn't, Chester County doesn't have any working class uh, suburbs on the Delaware <laughs> River, does it? I have a question about what we're learning about that, so the suburban vote, uh, during this uh, coronavirus crisis, uh, there's a lot of talk about what might be called the tyranny of the suburban mom, which is that the coronavirus impact seems to be felt overwhelmingly among the elderly people in nursing homes, that the odds of being hospitalized or dying from coronavirus if you're under 50 are small, if you're under 40, they are essentially non-existent. And yet it's difficult to have a conversation about reopening because the argument goes suburban moms are so isolated from the hardships. You know, they're, they're still, their revenue is still coming in from white collar jobs, et cetera. And, uh, uh, so fearful that politicians, politicians who want to talk about moving forward are running into that wall and that there's a real disconnect between their lives and the lives of their working class neighbors. So what, what do you think of that argument broadly? And where do you think the are today in the political balance of, for well, America? I think, you know, that argument uh, sounds like a description of what's going on today. I haven't been going door to door among these people, so I can't tell you <laughs> that I've heard it uh, personally. Um, but it also is in line with those longer term trends among white college grads towards the Democratic Party that I was talking about. And it's also, I, I, I would venture to guess, uh, part of what I would call the partisanization of public opinion. Um, I mean, you know, if you were talking about American, uh, if you asked Americans uh, 25 years ago, um, is hydroxychloroquine a good uh, <laughs> uh, cure to ameliorate the symptoms of uh, common cold of coronavirus? I think that their answers, to the extent they weren't totally bewildered, would have been, um, you know, random and not uh, correlated with partisan attachment. You ask them that question today, and the Democrats all think that this stuff is poison because they think Donald Trump recommended it, which is a bit of a distortion. And the Republicans think, hey, this is a great idea. Um, and I think it's not just because they cottoned on to some of the fragmentary evidence that this has been ameliorative for some patients in some conditions. Um, and I think that uh, the attitude that you're talking about um, of, of uh, you know, suburban moms saying, I, I want to have absolute protection, uh, makes a certain amount of sense. Yes, women on a wide range of issues, including many non-political things tend to be more risk averse than men. 
You don't see many of them climbing up telephone poles to repair them. <laughs> you don't see many of them on uh, Alaska salmon fishing boats. Uh, you don't see many women in underground coal mining, even though there's an advantage to being short uh, in mines with uh, low ceilings. But, hey, uh, women tend to be more risk averse. There's probably good evolutionary reasons why uh, that should be deeply ingrained. Uh, in our human psych, uh, psyches. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, the, the risk of coronavirus death for uh, school-aged children would appear to be, uh, you know, uh, the, about the same as or less than the, their risk of death from the, from the flu. And not all these women's uh, children have had, have had their flu shots. Um, but, uh, you know... They could also be worried about ancillary risks of, you know, sure. these to elderly people in the household, whatever. But uh, yeah, I think it's part of it's risk averseness and partisanization. Mr. Barone, if if you had asked me, or if someone had asked me in in January, what's the the Pennsylvania issue that will matter the most in the in the presidential election? I would have said probably natural gas because that would sort of allow President Trump a way to peel off some blue collar yeah. and union workers. But it seems now where we are with the coronavirus situation, like all local issues are now just completely blown away. Is this really just, it has the presidential election, is it just turning into the nationalization of a single question, who can manage a pandemic or a crisis like this better? Well, I think it's, uh... I think it remains, you know, I would say that the, it's less about the crisis specifically than about the basic partisan lines that we've um, seen embedded that, you know, that, that have been pretty solid since the mid-1990s and which have been accentuated and strengthened both pro and con by Donald Trump and the 2016 election, Hillary Clinton, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I think... I think the issue of fracking in is in Western Pennsylvania and Central Pennsylvania uh, is still a pretty big issue. You've had statements by uh, Joe Biden saying he wants to stop fracking. Well, you know, uh, to as many people in Western Central Pennsylvania, that means uh, I want to get rid of your job. Um, and uh, you know, the fracking jobs obviously are in peril now with the gas prices way down. Um, but I think that that I think that that can remain a serious issue, highly correlated with non-college whites moving toward Republicans, a trend since the 90s, but accentuated by Trump in 2016. Um, just, you know, in the ring of counties around Pittsburgh, you're, you know, Butler, um, Beaver, Butler, uh, Westmoreland, Washington. Um, those were historically Democratic counties that voted heavily for Donald Trump, just as Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery were historically Republican counties that voted for Hillary Clinton. My last question for you, Michael Brown, and take this anywhere you want. Who is your favorite Philadelphia or Pennsylvania political figure of all time? Well, I think it has to be William S. Vare, uh, V-A-R-E, who was... Um, uh, the longtime Republican political boss of uh, Philadelphia in the 1910s and 20s. There are some people uh, who said that he was a bit on the corrupt side, including when he was elected <laughs> to the U.S. Senate, a majority of senators that threw him out of the Senate. 
Um, he was born in a pig farm down where the uh, Philadelphia um, athletic fields and the spectrum of where we had the 2000 Republican National Convention, 2016 Democratic National Convention. Those were those were pig farms at the beginning of the 20th century. And um, William S. Fair, um, it seems to have been a sort of characteristic product of, um, of, of pig farmery. Um, but he was uh, an important character and uh, uh, played a role and not an especially uh, profound one in the uh, influenza crisis of 1918-19, which the, that epidemic hit Philadelphia very hard. Um, but uh, so I'll, I'll pitch it to William S. Fair. <laughs> Would, so are you, are you drawing a metaphor there that the farms <laughs> eventually became the sites of the party's nominating conventions? Well, uh, I'll just leave the facts sitting in the mud as they are. So I was at the 2016 convention where Michael Brown was, too, as I recall, in Philadelphia. And they actually had an operating farm site on the convention site. And you could actually see them feeding the pigs while you were there. And it was disturbingly and eerily familiar. Michael Brown, founder of the Almanac of American, Politi- of American Politics, read your stuff all the time. Thanks so much for joining us here. We really appreciate it. Okay, enjoyed it. You've been listening to Delaware Valley Journal On the Air, our weekly podcast here at DelawareValleyJournal.com. You can find us all over the interwebs, like, for example, Todd? Facebook, Delaware Valley Journal, on Twitter, at DV underscore journal. And if you've got story tips, please email me, Todd, at InsideSources.com. For Todd Shepard at Delaware Valley Journal, I'm Michael Graham at Inside Sources. Thanks so much for listening. 